Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast where I interview working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and today is part two with Caitlin Robrock. And let me just say, the fun continues, my friends. We talk more animation fun, looping with legends, and much more. This episode is sponsored by nobody, so let's get started. <laughs> You know, you had mentioned the first five years were different and it was 2018 where people started to really know your work ethic and and be familiar with your work. I'd imagine it's hard to predict what everybody's career would be like, but I'd imagine for most people, the more time you're investing in and honing your craft, you'll gradually work more and more. But once you get to a level yeah, where where you're working a good amount, there will be ebbs and flows. Um, So how do you handle those moments where a, a slower period, what, what's, what do you tend to do with those times? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, I try to keep up to date. Again, workshops and classes fill a lot of that void because I'm mm-hmm. still a part of the community. I'm still working and, and succeeding in these aspects, getting to know these people. So it's, mm-hmm. it's all planting seeds for future relationships, future, future opportunities. But yeah, Amphibia was a big one. And then I booked Thundercats a couple months later. And Thundercats went on for about a year. And I, those auditions kept coming. And the, t- the team knew who I was. So I read for most everything that uh, female roles would have. And I was, bl- I was blessed to be on that show nine times. It was so <laughs> wow. much fun. That, and that show, I think, was the most fun. And we were ensemble recording. So oh, everyone awesome. got to play off each other. It's the most organic, most funniest aspect. The best reads, the best lines are the ones that are off the top of your head. You heard right. it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that allowed us to do that. So you mentioned Thundercats. Um, Thundercats Roar obviously was a very creatively reimagined adaptation of Thundercats. Um, so, But it's very different in tone. It's very much more comedy oriented. Stylistically, it's totally different. So when you are auditioning for something like that, that is based on something, but still totally original, how did you sort of balance? Were there things that you wanted to honor from the original and things that you just inherently understood based on the, the way it was written that, okay, this is its own vibe. Let's just follow the writing. How did you strike that balance? Uh, the first three things I found was I never watched the original. I was too young. So I had no idea what these characters originally sounded like in the first place. So that's, don't have to worry about that. And because it was for Cartoon Network and we saw by the time those auditions came out, uh, barring the, uh, the core cast, um, there was a little clip that kind of showcased Lion-O just like a, li- a little short 30 second mini teaser trailer. So I watched that. And so already like, well, for, I know for sure this is a different style of Lionel's voice. He's going to be more goofy. It sounds similar, but the attitude's completely different. So I don't have to take a serious attitude with this revamp. Mm. Any, at any point the characters are acting serious, it's still coming from a place of brevity and, and humor. So you don't scare the littles. Right. So I, I knew that like, okay, I can be more freewheeling with this. I can have those wacky ranges, those, those hard turns and abrupt sounds without worrying that I'm taking away from the style of the show, because that is the style of the show. And then the third one was the casting director I knew was Wes Gleason. And I had worked with him on a video game a couple of years prior. So I was excited to be able to audition for him again. 
But yeah. because I knew him a little better than the average casting director, the way he writes his specs for the, for the characters, a lot of them are pretty straightforward, but Wes wrote his a little different. Because mm-hmm. for Gwen, Gwen was the first one that came out and he wrote the specs are, she's melodramatic. She's worried about being the last of her kind. She's melancholic. And she's just a little teeny tiny bit exactly Mia Farrow. And the word exactly <laughs> was in like all caps. So that's him joking around like, oh, you know, she's a little bit kind of sort of exactly Mia Farrow. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. So I knew that's what he meant by that. So I did uh, just uh, the best impression of Mia Farrow I could do after watching Last Unicorn again. And I sat there watching it and like, dang, this girl is a downer. But she's got such a specific sound, a specific vibe, which works for the movie, for the movie Last Unicorn, because that's such a, a masterpiece in and of itself. So I knew, okay, if we're going to make this basis off her, not, not a parody, but this basis off her in this style, just make it more melancholic and have that waver in her voice the way she did in the movie. And one of the lines was like, well, where did this character go? Oh, he went out to get some oil to see if it would work or something. I don't know. <laughs> so you can pinch it because she's getting even more sad. And how gross can she sound? The sadder she gets. How annoying can she get if they're not fixing it? That's the point of this style. You have your core character. You have your base sound. But how can you branch out from that? Right. And how gross can you get? That's fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that Thundercats War was one of the funnest things you've worked on. And I can only imagine, especially as an ensemble record, like with all the talent that's on that show. And Wes Gleason is just a super kind, amazingly yeah. talented everything. You said you were on that. You got to go for nine episodes. Was that right? Yeah, not nine, nine episodes, eight different characters across mm. them. Got it. Okay. And there are other things like Mr. Pickles where you were on for, for a significant amount of time. So do you, do you start to get a little bit nervous once you know your time for something you've worked on for a while is coming to an end? Or are you just always moving forward and trying to um, put the pieces together? I guess, I guess nervous could come in if, if you're hoping for another season of something or, and it, you're never sure if it'll come to fruition or not. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only nervous part I would think of because we were hoping for another season of Thundercats and unfortunately it didn't happen. But I'm still mm-hmm. very grateful for what we had. And the team continued on to their next project, which I won't say to be safe. <laughs> So I auditioned for those projects. And yeah, I was so close. I know. I'm sorry. I would. There's a no. sniper dot on my head. You're doing the right thing. I'm doing the right. I'm the most goodest. Uh, so they moved on to their next project because Warner Brothers loves them. So I, I did work on that one after a couple auditions. And, you know, any like any actor, like I hope I can read for anything they do in the future. Or any projects that Wes does, I, I'm always hoping like I'll be able to read for it. You never know. It depends on the, again, it depends on the style. It depends on your archetype. But having worked with them, they know my work ethic. They know my range. That speaks for itself. Uh, what will be, will be. So, yeah, and if yeah. it doesn't work out this time, it'll work out the next time. This is, this is ongoing. Voiceover never stops. There's never too big a roadblock that you can't get over. Or, or if there's a disappointment, and, and I've had two disappointments that hurt me badly. Like one, it took me two years to get over one. Wow. Th- those roles are filled at this time by other people. I don't begrudge them that at all. And I certainly don't want to like gun for that job. 
in any way. I just, I wish it had been me. But even a heartbreak like those two roles, they, they heal in time. They do heal in time. And you can look back on it like wonderful for the people who have them. You wish them the best in the world. You knew you made it as far as you could. It doesn't take away from who you are as a person or an actor. You just can't always have what you want. Yeah. <laughs> we've known that since we were three, but <laughs> you're, I, you're allowed to feel that hurt. You're allowed to feel that, that pain. Yeah. And I think it's good to feel that way. That way it helps, it helps to remind you, treasure what you do have. Work hard to achieve the things you book and achieve the jobs you want and to keep those jobs if it's an ongoing job. Give it the respect it's due. Give it the work it deserves to have put in there and give it all the love you have to make this character or this project something that reflects you. Because th this is your legacy. These, are, these things will be here on streaming platforms long after we stop acting. Uh, how, how, many, how many, we watched Disney movies from the 30s, the 40s, the old yeah. 70s Hanna-Barbera shows. A lot of those actors have passed away, but those shows are still known. That's what we're giving to people after us. That's what we're giving to kids. That's what we're giving to people who want to feel that emotional connection that we felt that brought us here in the first place. Oh, man, that's a really good point. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because we have yet to talk about your looping. Uh, so first of all, what are some of the things you've looped on? I did Frozen 2. I adore Terry Douglas. Mm. I adore her. And, she, and she's somebody that I can talk to about anything. Like if there's, if, there's, if there's worry over an audition or if there's worry about someone in the community, like are we misunderstanding something? Do you know what this is about? Or I, I was asking her like, I want to work on animated movies, ADR and looping as much as I can. You're the person I want to work with the most. You're, you're the most fun. You're the most kind hearted. You, you've, you're working for Disney and Pixar. Like it's beautiful work. And it, it, she was able to like really educate me about how she has, she hires certain people for certain reasons. It's a team effort with the teams in charge of the movie who they want in the group as well. Cause you've got your tried and true. And, and that, that is something that happens a lot in the business. You know, they go with people they know cause they're a safe bet. They'll yeah, do exactly yeah. what they need. And sometimes a project is too important to risk new talent if, if they don't know the groove. And I completely get that because, mm -hmm. cause she's done several projects since frozen two that I have not worked on, but I wasn't right for those roles at this time. And I know that. And she knows I want to work with her. So I know when the opportunity comes, she'll, she'll bring me in. That's actually, you know, with Terry Douglas, that's, she's somebody that I've only gotten to like uh, earlier this year, I signed up for a zoom thing where mm -hmm. she was one of the guests, which was great. But you mentioned you worked on frozen two with her. Did you start out with a workshop from her? Is that how you first got to know her? Uh, let's see, the ADR workshops, they've gone back for several years. I have the worst memory, so I couldn't give you the exact <laughs> dates. Sure. But I had taken Terry's like work clinic, I'll say that. I had taken her clinic at Mary Lynn's, I believe like three or four times. Mm. And then she did the one day like intensive teaching for the beginners. And I took that one twice, if not three times, because I wanted to make sure I'm understanding all of these basics. I'm making sure I'm understanding everything that she's requesting because everyone will make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take those classes often to, to make sure I corrected any issue and to show her growth and polish if there was something new she brought to the class. 
And on that third time, uh, she was like, girl, you're here again. And I said, I, I want to make sure I'm getting everything right. And when you have that opportunity for the advanced class, I'll take that a few times too. And in between those, and that's something else I would do during like lulls in auditions, right? be it, be it you know, industry-wide lulls, or if you're just not receiving as much from your agents just yet, due to you, wherever you are in your development. So I, I had taken classes with Lenan Zager. I, I took clinics and workshops with Johnny Gidcomb for about six years to make sure, because his was very in-depth as well. So I learned everything from yeah. that class in particular. And Lenan definitely, uh, she comes from, uh, her focus is a lot of the children that work in the movies they do. She's part of a different group, and mm. which in itself is, you never know what group you might make it in. Try, apply, but it, it is tough to break into. So as long as you know you're providing at the table, you're going to be business and you're going to be good, maybe something will happen. It, it couldn't hurt to just keep trying. Yeah. Oh, there's more. There's more ADR loopers out there. Mark Sussman, I took his clinics. Wow. Wolfie Trouch, I took his. Um, I don't think they've done classes, but I have kept in touch with Caitlin McKenna and Ranjani. You know, they, they've got their groups. You know, they, I may never make it into any of these groups if they've already got people they have. Right. That can do what I do. But you never know. What if they're sick one day and you can help fill in? Or what if there's an audition for one character that you can go in to, to perform for and maybe they can use you in the group that day? Mm -hmm. You never know. The, the, the endless possibility, that's the thing to look forward to because you just never know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and, but Terry was always my number one favorite. So I'm so happy to know her. And she's just such a wonderful friend too. And you want to be friends with everyone you work with. That's how, that's how you're going to make the job fun. Or, or they'll provide something and you think, that's amazing. I'm going to bounce off that. Or I, if I can't do what they're doing in my way, maybe I can make a completely opposite character that's complimentary. You're always learning. You're always growing. Absolutely. And you mentioned Terry's her favorite one. She's an incredible person to get to know. But I'm assuming it's also largely because she does all the looping for animation, basically. Is that right? She does do some TV shows mm -hmm. and she, she, she does franchises. So she's in charge of the Star Wars franchise. Okay. So she's done, you know, these three trilogies, uh, the sequel trilogies. She, she did Mandalorian with a, a couple peers of mine and there's more work coming. I'm sure we all saw that stock meeting <laughs> footage. So there is more stuff coming. So she, she's definitely got work. Plenty. Her, her job as a looping coordinator is set, but yeah. I'm, she's at AVO with me now, which I'm glad because she's able to really branch out and do not just looping, but she can be an actor in her own right. So right. this is her right. chance to really, you know, perform as, as kids, as mothers, as teens. Like she, she's an actor just as much as she is a looper. So mm -hmm. I'm really glad she's with us because she's getting the opportunities to really shine. So and with her, how good she is and that resume, it is just a matter of time. Absolutely. And you'd mentioned, because, I mean, you've trained with, with practically everybody uh, in the looping world. And it's a good point, which you mentioned with Terry, when you were retaking some of her stuff, you really wanted to just make sure you understand all the material, which is the main reason you should take these classes as opposed to, I want to be cast by them. You know, that that's, might be a good byproduct if you're impressing them in class, um, but it shouldn't be your intention, right, to um, right. sign up for everyone. So, you know, with Terry, 
eventually you worked on Frozen 2 with her. Was that well after you had taken and retaken all of her workshops? Yeah, Carrie's Ter- another one. Like I had taken her for a few years, like early 2010s, like tw- 2012, 2013. Like I started the, the work towards looping back then. And I took these classes to show like I'm serious about this and I want to make sure I'm nailing all of these basic components. Because if you don't have these basics down, you're not going to provide to that group of experienced loopers. They don't need to know if it's, if it's your first job, but you definitely want to show I was brought here and I'm going to provide mm-hmm. just like they are. And when I went in, you know, plenty of my peers were there. Max Middleman was there. Scott Menville's there. Fred Tattashore's there. Mm. So, and they've worked with Terry before and they all knew me. So it was my chance to, to work with them. So we had our moment at the beginning of we're all here together. This is great. All right, let's get to work. Yeah. So it, and it, it, it work begets work. Talent begets talent. Friendships beget friendships. So it all helps each other to grow. The importance of taking all these different looping is to, to understand all the types of looping. So I, I know everything back to front with Johnny Gidcomb, but he, a lot of the movies he works on, that's not really my style. Like the, the superhero action, those hardcore, mm-hmm. dramatic fantasy, epic fantasies, like those ones, that's not really what I'm meant for. Mm-hmm. But I know I love animation. I know I love that style. So for the other groups that work on those types of movies, I would hope to be an asset for them. And then right. for TV shows, some of it can be just simple, basic, average person on the street. And it can be one of the hardest things you try to do to be normal. Yeah. Cause if you're an actor, that's just extra abnormal in real life. You're not. <laughs> you're <laughs> yeah. Not it's tricky. Like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Cause you don't want to, you don't want the, the conversation you're filling in in the background to be more interesting than the principal actors. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's tricky. Um, you might be a, you might be a, a lark for someone in real life if you talked at a coffee shop, but in, in, in there, if you're just doing a background coffee, like it's going to come off insincere or jokey or put on, even if you really are acting normal. Right. So just having like the more monotonic deadpan reactions or, or really listening to what they're saying and bouncing off of it, like a real conversation. Yeah. Just thinking about it now. I'm like, how did I do that? <laughs> how do you, how do you exist in society? I know. I know everyone looping to start off next year might come off as really unnatural after being away from humans for a year. But um. how do I speak to anybody that isn't the banker or the Chipotle guy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, well, obviously, I'm assuming the types of things you had to do in your sessions for um, Frozen 2 was not speak to the banker or be at a coffee shop. So do you remember? First of all, did did the did that experience go pretty smoothly for you having done all the training you did oh yeah it went smoothly um it was my first foray into like you're not under the teacher's care you're not in the same learning position as your other classmates this is this is average par for the course for the rest of this group so Mm -hmm. don't don't think overthink it don't put too much thought into it just what are they doing on the screen okay we're going to be this mother and child in the background they look like they're talking. At one point, the mom turns and points somewhere else. So while we follow the picture and I'm talking to one of the child actors, T- Terry's job, when she kind of sees that background, she helps to create what could they be talking about? What are some appropriate script lines that we can make up for this section? Mm-hmm. So, mommy, I'm cold. Could I get one of those blankets? And then as long as I'm saying something along the lines of like, oh, sure, grab one from over there. That way my voice 
response will line up with the action you're seeing. Right. Little things like that. Or if we're all walking around in a donut at the fair happening in the background in Arendelle, like, okay, well, if you were here, what would you be doing? Okay, I'm going to sell some ribbons. I'm going to compliment the lovely cakes the baker made, hope, hope, as long as who you're talking to is a baker. Right. And then remembering your, your time period too. So I'm not like, hey, what's up? I got some new ribbons here. They're not going to say that there. Like, hello, would you like to see some new ribbons I've made? I got a beautiful new color. Like, soft and simple. Yeah, that, I feel like the simple is such a key for that a lot of people new to looping take a while to learn because when you're up looping, the tendency, I feel like at first you can come off as very unnatural and just like want to ramble on and come up with something great. But like it's got to just be usually pretty short and simple and straightforward. Yeah, that's one of many, many tips that will, will make you a better looper. But do you remember any anything from those sessions any, any fun characters that you had to fill in for? Or was it all pretty straightforward stuff? It's pretty straightforward stuff. Um, like ev everyone will read different types of call outs and some people will read the same lines, kind of like mini auditions within. And then the sound editor and the, the people who connect, who build the library of, of the soundtrack, they'll decide which sounds are the best. Mm -hmm. So a handful of us, when we saw the water being frozen, we all made an exclamation of the water. Oh no, look what happened. Like reacting to it. Mm -hmm. And then in the movie, you'll hear somebody saying, Oh no, the water. I know it's not me, but it, it's somebody who did one of those one-off call outs, which one's the best sound that melds with it. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of the times you'll, what, what we're yelling and screaming or calling out, don't focus too much on it because the point is to make it all a similar level so it's a roar, an, in, mm -hmm. an indecipherable roar in the back because then the water's pounding over it and Elsa's riding the water horse. It's, it's not about standing out. It's about helping to make it a blur mm -hmm. just to be natural because if, if you don't have it, it's unnatural. The silence will stick out. But yeah. I definitely watched when we were having group scenes of random conversations a lot of people do think like, I got to keep talking. I got to keep thinking of something like you can have periods of rest. Let yourself think for a minute, yeah. a few seconds and then throw out a one line or talk to somebody back and forth a couple times and then stop. Um, and I looked around and I was seeing all these other people who had been doing looping for a while. You know, they're sitting there and they'd lean up and say something and then they come back and think and look around. And so they're just the same. They're, they're thinking of what to say. They're looking at their peers the most experienced people are still doing the basics. Yeah. It's good to know that going into a session where all of your voice acting superheroes are, are human, just like you. Yeah. That must've taken some of the pressure off to see them taking those moments. Yeah. Okay. I, I so did a session with, um, it was for when the show was called Wabbit back in the day, we did one uh, and I was with Jeff Bergman, Jeff Bennett, Kevin, Michael Richardson, and I think that was it. So like, that's three heavy hitters in this room with little, little Caitlin who was brought in by the casting director. He's a friend and like, Oh God, I gotta, I gotta really kick ass on the two lines that I have. I gotta, sh I gotta what? And we, we were going through the script and I, I was able to do more than just those two lines, thankfully. But at one point there was an exclamation from Kevin's character and he bursts out the gate with the explanation and he loses his breath halfway through. And just like starts coughing because he was like, wait, I did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what the? <sighs> all right. I'm just, all right. 
<laughs> try it again. And I'm like, Kevin made a little mistake. Kevin, the, the Kevin, this is normal. I don't Thank have you. to worry so hard. <laughs> Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has a, has a brief hiccup. It, it did wonders for my self-esteem. So thank you, Kevin, if you, if you hear this. <laughs> your, your faux pas helped me make a faux ya. <laughs> yeah, trademark that. Faux ya. Booyah. It was a booyah. Your faux pas was a booyah for me. <laughs> and, he's a oh. and he's working, so that didn't, that didn't cancel him out of the scene. Yeah, not even close. He's amazing. He's like you said, he is definitely one of the heavy hitters. Um, so speaking of heavy hitters, uh, we we talked about this briefly early on, but I mean, you were on the virtual panel with um, for Mark Evanier's Cartoon Voices panel, and you knew some of these people as your peers. But Rob Paulson was on there, Deborah Wilson, like you said, Greg Berger, Jim Meskimen. There was I actually saw some of that, and there was one point where I think Rob asked Jim to give you words of, of encouragement and tell you how proud he was as Robin Williams. Deborah, Deborah asked for that. Or Deborah did. That's right. That's right. He, said, he did something and I started tearing up and I, I was so happy for it. And Deborah said, I want you to say something else. I want Caitlin to cry more. <laughs> Deborah, oh my gosh. But that was so, uh, it gave me the feels too. That was so touching. So like, you mentioned obviously Robin Williams was such a big part of your journey as an actor. Very much. So, are there things that are the things that you've learned from him that help you with your acting and how you approach your acting? A lot of it would be the improv and the ad libs, because when you watch it, he was so good at that. But when you watch his movies, the final takes that make it are often improv ones. And you could see it in his face where he's hearing something that someone is saying, or he's seeing an object in the scene, and he'll, he's able to marry it to whatever the, the main dialogue is, or he'll tangent off it just to, to, make, a, to make a statement about something. Mm-hmm. And I, we've, we, one of our favorites, me and my roommate, we watch Popeye. And at the scene in the movie when he finds Sweet Pea, the baby, and he's reading the letter from his mother, like, please take care of my baby. At that point, when he says that, the baby makes a squeal in the movie. And so he just bounces off. Yeah, that's you. You're a baby. <laughs> so he just bounces right off of it because he's heard his co-star make a sound. He knows what the letter he's reading. He knows what it's about. So he's able to insert this moment of just pure thought. That's funny. And I would hope that I have an intrinsic ability to do that myself. Most people say you don't have a filter. I just like <laughs> to think that mine went through a fine sieve, but there was still a hole in the bottom. And it out. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So, um, so that was, that's the biggest thing, giving voice to those first thoughts outside of your head, those first connections, those first tangents, and see if it, see if it fits. Or even like, like repeating something someone says back to them a different way of how absurd they were to say something in the first place. Sometimes it's the way you say it that's just really funny. Yeah. And Robin had a way of, of saying things a certain way that are just so far from the norm, it makes you break out of the norm. It makes you break out of the monotony. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's what it is most of all. I want to break out of the norm. I want to make people blink for a minute and be like, did she just say that? Or she just thought of that? I never would have thought of that. I I ultimately, and I've said this before several times, but the way I feel watching certain movies, certain TV shows, certain actors who really connect with what they're doing 
or who have an intrinsic value that I connect with as well, like I understand them, the way they make me feel, like especially in these last couple of years, but there's been certain actors that just have like hit me hard in a good way, but I can't divorce logic from the emotion that these characters give you. And whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, the point is it happened. The point is you felt that visceral reaction that makes you want to connect to somebody or something or that person themselves to tell them, you made me feel this way. I don't feel this way often. Thank you. So if that never happens for me to these people who, who make me feel that way, I want to be someone that can give those emotions to others. And if I do, I'm open to hearing those stories. I would want people to say, when you did this character in this episode, it helped me through this time, or it made me laugh so much. I, I hurt my side. Like if I can invoke that reaction, if I can make that impression to me, that's the most important thing because it means that I'm here. It means that I'm seen. I'm going to tear up if we keep talking like this. I'm such an emotional person. <laughs> that's, that's all I really wanted. You know, I just wanted to get, I wanted that Barbara Walters moment, you know. Tell me about your story. <laughs> what do you have to say to Barbara? That wraps up part two with Caitlin Robrock. Seriously, I hope you feel as lucky listening as I did chatting with her. We laughed, we cried, and we learned things like tip number one. While it can be a great exercise to record auditions without reading the specs, make sure you still review the specs for any clues. When Caitlin auditioned for Gwen on Thundercats Roar, the specs specifically used Mia Farrow as a reference, and the style of the show was notably more comedic, which clued Caitlin to take Mia's unique melancholic tone to a lighter, more comedic place. Two, when auditioning for a character, get to a point of comfort where you're instinctively able to improvise your own dialogue as that character. As Caitlin says, one of Robin Williams' strongest suits was to improvise naturally in a way that made sense for his character. And three, if you mess up during a recording, don't be hard on yourself. Even the most iconic voice actors will make mistakes during sessions, so pick up right where you left off and keep kicking voice over butt cheeks. And on that note, may all you voice actors keep acting up. <laughs>